Okay, hello and welcome to our LinkedIn Live conversation. I'm Brian Zwerner, the head of Beyond the Game Network, a venture group with about 30 former pro athletes here in Atlanta. We invest in entertainment and fitness startups, and I'm excited to welcome today my good friend Shep Ogden, CEO of Offbeat here in Atlanta as well. Shep, give a quick background to the uh, crowd. What's up, Brian? Good to see you. I'm excited to do this. I'm, I'm Shep, I'm CEO at Offbeat. Uh, Offbeat really started in the world of internet culture, owning and operating accounts like Humor on Instagram, H-U-M-O-R, 3.7 million. But over the last few years, we've dove really, really deep into what we think will be the future of internet culture, and that is avatars, avatar-led identities, virtual personas, and that has really started to explode over the last few years when you think about all the NFT personas that have came out over the last since 2021 or so. And so um, at this point, we've got two avatars off the ground. We've built some really awesome technology to power avatars in real time looking at partners to do that with and this this is a world that we're not i'd say we're not web three ourselves but i've been super deep in the space for three plus years and it's it's a really fun topic that i'm excited to, to sink our teeth into with you well now so wait i'm gonna i'm gonna debate you right off the jump here if you say you're not web three because i would call the avatars living in virtual worlds or metaverses some could say i would call that web three media you know, to me, Web3 media means anything from tokens to NFTs to DAOs to metaverse. And I would say your characters live in the metaverse. Do you disagree with that? No, I completely agree. I usually say we're really playing deep in the metaverse. And so that's 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 in words. Web3 to me means ownership. And and right now we're exploring how are we going to tokenize these characters and how could we how could we drop their the digital clothes as digital goods, but we haven't done it yet. So I like to think we're Web 2.5. We are ready to go into Web 3. Um, we're absolutely playing with digital goods. We're playing with avatars. We're playing in the metaverse. We're building our own metaverse. Um, but I do think there's a slight difference until we launch a token or a coin. So I always say we haven't done that just yet. All right. So your distinction on a Web 3 media company is there's got to be some type of non-fungible token, some type of cryptocurrency, some type of ownership where the community can participate. That That's where you cut the line on Web3 Media. For me, that, I think so. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things that really truly embodies that Web3, the, the Web3 value of ownership, like giving it back to the fans and the community and the people actually participating. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways that people are trying to validate that idea and that strategy, but I don't, I think you can say you're going to be a Web3 company, but I don't know if you're a Web3 company until you do it. You're likely just, you know, doing things in Web2, which again, like we're we're more of a metaverse-focused media company right now. Until we launch one of these, then then we could say we're, you know, we're a Web3. All right, fair enough. I, I can accept that. I can accept that difference. So we're saying a Web3 media company is built from the jump to have tokens or NFTs, or can one evolve into a Web3 media company? Would you consider that legit? Yeah. Somebody who starts off Web 2 or traditional media and then issues tokens or NFTs, you're still going to call that Web 3 media, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why I think like it's taking that jump, though, is what makes you fully there. But I, I definitely think, I think over the next few years, we'll see a lot of companies explore like what it means to become a Web 3 media company or launch, launch a Web 3 brand on, under their media company or areas like that. Like I said, like we're certainly interested in what does it mean to have a community controlled avatar like how do you bring a community in have them help make decisions around this avatar and uh, potentially like you know help create it from the ground up right like that's something that's, that's really really interesting or or from a top-down approach like we're about to talk about i think that's that's super interesting but 
we haven't done it yet. So like once we do or another company actually makes that jump and gives that control to the audience of some sort, I think that's whenever it's officially a Web3 media company. No, I think that's pretty fair. So what have you seen out there that people are doing? What tools, so how are people using these NFTs or tokens to give the audience the ability to participate? What are some of the, what are some of the tools that people can use that you think would really, that are really advancing this or changing the way people are creating media today? You know, I think it's still super early. I think the bulk of what a Web3 media company is today is you get an NFT, which gives you some form of governance or a memorabilia, like you're buying a t-shirt effectively. I think that's what a lot of it is today. And the coolest thing I've seen, and it's not that cool, honestly, yet, is they're really just doing voting systems, right? You got an NFT, now you can vote. And I was, I was, having, a, I was having a conversation today with someone where you could just have a Discord poll and you could get the same equation, except without the NFT, you wouldn't, you wouldn't technically be allowed to, to do that. And so that's what I'm excited to see. How do people really bake in like these NFTs like into that story or into that media? Um, but right now, I think that is, that is pretty cool. Like we're seeing some projects like Jinx the Valet that we, I know we both have talked about in the past where took a board ape, started putting a story, story around it. And they're helping, they're having that community help write the story. And then everyone's voting on which one, which direction do we actually like? What should we do next? And that, that's, that's a really cool way. And I think the, the voting is the main tool that people are using right now. I don't think we've gotten to the point where anyone's really receiving any like royalties. You know, I, I know there's a lot of legal issues around that too. So like, there's going to be a huge bunch of questions, but I don't think we're there yet. I think most of it is um, at this point, it's just how do you get, something special for participating like memorabilia or how do you get to vote on where we go next? Yeah. And we've seen that, you know, the voting can be anything from, you know, really big picture directions of the story or the character arcs, or, you know, one of the ones that uh, that's doing cool things with the voting is mad realities. So, you know, for people who haven't seen it, it's a, a, a web three dating show uh, where holders of the NFTs can, impact who goes on dates, what they do, things of that nature, uh, where you're really getting to impact the actual content itself and kind of letting the wisdom of the crowd drive the content. Can you, you think that, seen any other cool applications like that? Yeah, I think that's a really cool one. I think another really cool one, um, some competitors to us, like, but like different because they are doing it from current NFTs off the ground, but like uh, Hume. Hume is pretty cool because they're bringing to life a, a fluff and it is a... You know, it's an NFT project already. They bring it to life now, and now they're letting fans help craft and create and vote on how should we launch a song off of it? What's, what beat do you like? What, what artist should we pull on it? And I think why I like that is because it's very tangible, like how this is going to tap into culture. And so you can actually help craft and create something that is theoretically going to be seen by hundreds of thousands or millions of people. Um, versus I think a lot of the media projects or a lot of the Web3 media projects right now are almost self-serving, right? It's like you've got 10,000 people that come in and they vote and then those are the 10,000 people that care and watch it where I think people that are focusing on, like I said, like humor or something, like trying to launch a song that, that may or may not go to Spotify and places like that, like bring on a big artist could actually be seen by millions. And then now you've got a group of 1,000 to 10,000 people that are a part of that creation but millions of people actually listen to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say another big category of what I think of as Web3 Media is using the NFTs or tokens to gate the access to the content. You know, and that was kind of the one of the earliest successes in the space was the Stoner Cats 
yeah. animated TV show. Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher were a part of. Uh, they sold, you know, north of almost 50,000 NFTs. And if you want to watch the show, you got to hold the NFT in your wallet and watch it by, you know, connecting your wallet and showing that. Um, and we're seeing something kind of, you know, similar done there. I, I like what's happening with that. Uh, but the biggest challenge it creates is, you know, what you said, it's kind of small audience. Yeah, I, I think that is a huge question mark right now. That's one of those things where I wonder, is that just hype and momentum because you've got someone like Ashton on it and promoting it? And it's, it is a cool project like that. That was a really, I'd say a success. And that is a really cool project. But historically, and, and Web3 could change the way that things move on in the future. But historically, the, the best media companies are the ones that have the largest fandom, right? We look at Disney, we look at Marvel, and they're reaching hundreds of millions of people every single day. And how do you create a, a, product, a project like that if you're gating everything? And so I think that's, especially if it's an expensive gate, you know, technically, you, you know, you got to pay to get on Netflix and watch Netflix, right? Right. But that's five, right. 10 bucks, not 500 bucks. <laughs> right. And so there is definitely like, I want to mute an ape, right? And it's like, it's cool. I got to go to like exclusive events sometimes. And like that, that's something that's, that is fun and interesting, but it is, it's, I found it because I thought I would find value out of like meeting cool people going to this thing versus like consuming content whenever we live in a world just filled with an unlimited amount of content all day long, no matter what app you pull up. That's where I'm not the biggest fan of gating it. It's definitely, you're right. Like it's definitely web three, but I, I don't know how that's going to be the winning path seven years from now. Yeah. I mean, what I think is really the bigger innovation and what stoner cats did, and uh, they're doing the same thing with the infinite machine movie, you know, taking the book about the launch of Ethereum and turning it into a movie. It's this concept of in the past, if you wanted to get a media property made a TV show, a movie, a uh, new character, whatever it may be, and a YouTube show, you had to go to the gatekeepers. You had to go to the people that controlled Netflix or Disney or whomever, and you had to pitch your show um, and they would fund it. You know, they'd pay for the cost of production, they'd pay for the talent, they'd pay for the distribution, the marketing and everything else. And, you know, I think with with a Web3 native media company and we're seeing we saw it with Stoner Cats, Infinite Machine and a couple others, you can effectively crowdfund your show by selling it directly to your audience. Um, I think I'm with you, though. If you gate the access just to the people who do it, Infinite Machine, I think it's really treating it almost more like everyone can be a producer. You know, everyone could be a, a backer or a supporter of this uh, of this film that's going to get made. Uh, but the expectation is it's going to go out to broad distribution, either, you know, direct in the theaters or through streamers. Um, and so I like I like that kind of hybrid approach. Um, but the people who are buying the NFTs, there's really no it's just a fandom thing. Uh, there's nothing really to show for it. And that's what we have to figure out, because. I have went head to head with a lot of people like on the, on the pro, you know, me being on the pro web three or bear web three side. Like I like, I like playing both angles of it to just try to battle test myself here. And like one of the areas I think about is what you just described. You basically get a badge for that, for being an early supporter, but realistically Patreon has been doing that for the last decade. Right. So it's like, how do we take that next step of getting more than a badge where you really get this long-term control where someone seven years from now or three years from now are going to say outside of it being collectible, they're going to say, I want that initial, uh, that initial NFT that gives you so much, so much governance that actually has control. And I think that's, that's going to be where 
the web three side of things really kicks in. You know, it's like, I always love the example of, of a country club. You know, you, you get what you put in. If you're a part of this, if you're a part of a, a real country club today in this, in this modern world, you know, you pay for it. You, you, that's gone. That money has gone forever where now it's like, if you want to be a part of this media company, you put money in, you, you help turn it into a great media company. And now you've got this asset that should technically be worth more for some reason. And that, that's what I think there's still, everyone's trying to figure it out and that it's hard, but. Yeah, look, now I want to get right into the meat of some of the things that I think got both of us excited about talking about this. Um, you know, the best media companies historically have been built by, you know, powerful leaders who have come up with the story, who have, you know, maybe built writers rooms, small writers rooms around these to develop the story and the characters and the pieces of content that come off of it. You know, but it's always been top down driven, you know. Folks like Walt Disney and Stan Lee and George Lucas, who have you know created these worlds, J.K. Rowling, who bring us into these stories. Um, we've never really seen the wisdom of the crowd create content that people want to watch at scale. You've got the two different approaches, you know, top down being I run a media company, I'm going to raise money or bring in my fans through an NFT, but I'm still going to drive the story and control the IP. And then you have the, you know, the collectible NFT projects, the PFP projects like the Bored Apes and, and uh, the Moonbirds of the world who are, you know, allowing people to do things with that content and just sort of hoping that the buyers, that you as the buyer of that mutant ape are going to do something cool with it. Um, where do you shake out on some of this? Because I'll tell you, I'm in the top down camp, man. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I used to think the bottom up made a lot more sense because everyone got control but i am absolutely in the top-down approach at this point and it's like how do you give them some governance and also how do you give them some i don't want to, i want to be careful and say upside right but it's like how do you figure out how do you give them values being a part of a top-down approach because the issue with bottom up that i've seen and i heard a really interesting podcast and i just try to remember the guy's name and I, if i remember it i'll i try to look it up and if i remember it i'll, I'll say it later but he was one of the top guys handling the ip at disney and he was on on one of the um, overpriced JPEGs was the podcast. He was on the overpriced JPEG Scott podcast, which is a bankless podcast. And he was talking a lot about like IP ownership and IP control. And he was at Disney for quite some time. Now he's really focused on some Web3 projects. And one of the things he said is really what made me start just considering and thinking about it. And he said, if everyone, if you can do 20,000 mutant apes and 10,000 apes and everyone can do whatever they want with it, the bulk of the people want, want won't do it. But like, if a lot of people do do it, you're going to start getting inundated with board apes. And his example was we were making at Disney so much money with Pirates of the Caribbean. And the next thing you know, it was like every single year, we're just hitting you with the Pirates of the Caribbean without. Yeah, they burn the audience out. How many times do we need to see Jack Sparrow? <laughs> they burn the audience out. And now my whole thought is, Will that happen if everyone is telling mediocre stories with board apes? There will be some that are better for sure, but you don't have that premium brand around one board ape if it's not top down because so many can just like distort that brand and make it less special. And so I think I don't love it because they have less control on, from a bottom up approach. From a top down approach, like I think there's a few areas we can go there, but I, I really do think. A top-down approach is way more interesting because you, you can bring in the world's absolute best storytellers. You can still involve the fans and involve the audience. But really, the story should probably be told from someone that is just living and breathing that story of what they want to tell. And then, again, then the audience could vote or something along, along those lines. But that's still that's top-down. It's not 
like the audience is submitting ideas of where we're going to go and then and then like and then writing it from there which i've seen a lot of a lot of people like experiment with i do think we're going to need some really great storytellers to build a great web3 media company and i don't think I don't think having a hundred cooks in the kitchen is the best way of doing it. I think it's having one big owner of it or two or three that own that main narrative. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I just don't see how you could build stories with large character arcs and complexity and, and twists and turns and things that are going to really excite the audience without, without a, you know, a, a tight inside group of people de delivering on that you know, maybe you can get some spinoffs that come out of the general character arc and lore that comes from something like a Bored Apes. And maybe you'll find, you know, that there'll be somebody, and, and Jenks the Valet is certainly one of the early leaders, as you referred to. Maybe they'll build the right team around that character. But can that character really break out from the other tens of thousands of ape-related products and become a big star on its own? And then will that inspire the next creative group? You know, Seth Green has a, a ape, the, uh, the the actor that was in um, all the movies, the Austin Power movies, yeah. and he's trying to build something around one of his apes. Obviously, Snoop Dobbs trying to build something on the music side around one. And, and maybe there's some value to that concept of having this kind of overarching brand that has a lot of street cred, that's got a lot of celebrities involved in it. I mean, could you see that breaking out into serious mainstream culture or is that still just going to be a niche thing for the 50,000 people who really follow and care about board A's? I think it's, I think it's TBD. I mean, my, my main take is like, I know the guys that bought the, the board ape for the, um, the yeah, I think MLS, the soccer league in America. Yep. and it was really cool and loved within the Web3 community, but the comments on MLS were just all negative. No one actually liked it in terms of the mainstream culture. And for something to go mainstream, people have to be excited about the IP. So it's like, that's where I, I try to say, take a step out, out of the bubble. And it's like, how do we make a, how do we make a board ape cool to the world? It's like, it's cool because a lot of cool people have it, but I, it, it's, it's, it's been so diluted to our point already i mean you, you're seeing it left and right and left and right and left and right there's this new idea for it new idea for it new idea for it and i think a lot of the, just the mainstream consumers are turning off whenever they see a board ape unfortunately i still am a mutant so i like, gotta really think about that but like <laughs> I, I do think in terms of building an ip brand off of it hey look it got played out the stuff traded at millions the general ones were trading at hundreds of thousands everybody now knows that those are not worth a fraction of what they used to be and so there's this whole i told you so from the mainstream you know, fan, uh, the mainstream content consumer. The con <laughs> yeah. And I, I think about it where it's like, we, we launched zero from Nexus, our first avatar. We've launched two of them now, but zero from Nexus, our first avatar. And a lot of people were like, why'd you do that? Why don't you just buy an ape or buy a clone or buy a this or buy a that and bring it to life, which we could have done. But for us, like, I think the real value comes from if you're investing this amount into a story and this amount into content and this amount into a IP effectively, like you, you kind of want to be able to expand and build off of it. And then again, I just, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's remained to be, remains to be seen if, if a web three bottom up approach like that can break out. I do think a web three top down approach could break out.
but I'm yeah. curious. My leading candidate for that is V Friends. You know, you got an incredibly strong media personality and Gary Vaynerchuk controlling it. He yeah. understands audience. He understands content. He understands mass distribution. He knows how to use all the different tools at his disposure to get it out there. He's got the credibility to walk in and do some of the early deals that he did, getting in with Toys R Us and Macy's to create plush characters. He's been yeah. in the book space and knows how to do that. I think... You know, look, it's children's media that he's going after, but that's a massive market. Uh, and I think we'll see Gary V cut a deal and eventually he'll have a cartoon built around this. I mean, he's made it very clear. He's going after Pokemon and My Little Pony and and all the major historical brands that have become enormous household names. And I think if I'm betting on anybody to make this really work, I think it's going to be top down. It's going to be driven by him. Uh, he's my bet. He, he's he, I think he's got the best chance of making this happen. I agree. I, I think that's like a really good example of someone that's that's doing this the right way. I, I am curious how the fans will get rewarded long term, like the, the early the early adopters. I'm curious how they'll get rewarded long term. But I do agree as a chance of building a real true Web3 top down media company. Like we, we're doing avatars right now, as you know, and uh, we've done a lot of thinking about this. There's, there's companies out there. They're great companies or some of them. Um, but like. Like Ready Player Me, for example, it's like everyone gets an avatar. I'm a big fan of like that kind of their strategy. Everyone gets an avatar. It gets plugged into everywhere. But the avatars aren't as, are, aren't as high quality as that the avatars we're bringing to market. But because of that, they can scale much more quickly in terms of who has avatars. And everyone can do whatever they want with their avatar. But it doesn't have the tools and functionality and fidelity that ours has. Where then I'm looking at it from a perspective of going to market where one, we're building our own avatars, right? But two, it's like, how could we bring to life Spider-Man? How could we bring to life Ronald McDonald? How could we bring to life um, a, a celebrity, an IP with a celebrity? Like really mainstream adoption of like an IP that's already been adopted in this really high fidelity way. It's like, I thought a lot about it. Do we want to democratize the tools that we have today? That's going to take a lot of investment. Or do we want to go a top-down approach and say, who's got that major, major reach? And go, go there. And like I think I think the V Friends is similar, right? It's like we could just try to start this on YouTube or we could just go and try to do major distribution with a major partner like a Netflix with, with a show. And that's probably what it's going to do at this point. So So you brought up two things and I want I'll take them in turn, but you know, do you think a major media company like Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, DC Comics? All of them have experimented with collectible NFTs. And frankly, you could buy Disney collectibles related to all these things or DC comic t-shirts or lithographs or whatever for years and years now, decades, right? Do you, do you see one of these major media brands jumping in the deep end of the pool and embracing some type of token ownership that will actually allow fans to participate in their content? Or is that just too hard to see for a tightly controlled, established brand with a lot to lose? We haven't talked about the rewarding side of things a ton, but I think I could see someone like Disney moving more towards the, the reward systems, right? Where it's like every time you watch something on Disney Plus, you get rewarded a token. And once you have 100 tokens, you can come to a, I mean, 100 is probably not that many, but once you have 100, you come to an exclusive meet and greet where Johnny Depp himself is going to be there if that's what they're still pushing, which I don't think they are. But, you know, you know like th that type of thing, I bet I could see them move towards tokens in that capacity where – and then there's there's that value of you could own uh, that token so that you could get into the rights. But um, Megan just dropped it in. I, I agree. Like it, it's not going to be ownership of anything like a Mickey Mouse, but it could be rewarding fandom and adoption. And yeah, I mean, you talked about it earlier. Well, you know, 
look, if you owned the very first Mickey Mouse, um, you know, drawings, if you bought that as effectively a collectible or an investment in the very early days when Mickey Mouse was nothing and nobody knew who it was and you held on to it for near on 100 years now to today, it's worth a lot of money. Um, and I think the same thing will be said of things like the Genesis NFT launches from VFriends and other projects that build content value. You know, if the content takes off, uh, then owning those exclusive first versions, they're going to be worth something. Um, and that's a way that fans can participate. I, th I think, though, so I, I, I agree with you, but I think, it will I think it will be because of different mechanics. Like, I think people are really into the true, like, collectibles that are, like, you know, you can feel and put on your wall and whatnot, like an old Mickey Mouse design or something like that. I think that's really cool if you're a big Disney fan. I think going back to that rewarding system – I think it will forever. You can't really get rewarded for owning that. Like there is, there's no such thing as that. Like you just have it, and maybe people want to buy it from you. Maybe they don't. But I do think Gary V will be thinking about the early adopters, and forever they will have access to certain things. They'll be able to if he has his own studio, they'll be able to come in. Like when there's a V Friends park, he'll there'll be a special place for the Genesis holders. They'll always have VIP access at the at the at the parks. Like like because yeah. only you know 50 of them might come in a weekend, right? Like they'll always have that VIP access. And I and I think that's where you'll start to see the the value of even from a top-down approach like those NFTs. Yeah. And look, I mean, to me, that's the real upside for a media company of using these tools is yeah. getting those early fans to be this crazy super fan. It's the it's the badge that proves that you saw Taylor Swift in some tiny little bar in Nashville before she was a megastar. It's the way to prove you were there. It's the receipts to show that you were there in the earliest of early days and to to, to prove that you you had that fandom before it was cool before it was popular. And, and I think, you know, that kind of creating those super fans who then will go out and tell their friends and post about it on social media and cover it in their TikTok videos. It's, it gives the fan that feeling of ownership, even if it, even if they don't have rights to the character, can't do anything, don't own the IP or the royalties. Um, they'll still have the receipts to prove they were there early. And I, and, and, the, and done right they should become your promoters. They should be the ones who help your new characters get off the ground. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'd like to kind of switch gears too, because like, how do you think of, how do you think we move from, because I think just widespread, we're seeing the mainstream mainstream consumer. We saw it with, with Zero whenever we talked a lot about NFTs there. The mainstream consumer doesn't love the term NFT. Right. And so it's like whenever you think about a media brand, once you tie it to NFT specifically, I do think you're going to have a harder time getting that mainstream consumer because now it's financialized. Like everyone thinks that there's money to be made here. There's it's, it's, it possibly is a scam because they don't understand it. But then we're seeing things like Reddit, I'm like 99% positive. They didn't call their profile pictures NFTs. They're just they just are. And, oh, yeah. and I, like I'm wondering how we're going to do that. With yeah, look, NFT is a terrible name. Yeah. Come on, non-fungible token. It's awful. Um, and, you know, we'll move past that to digital collectibles, digital assets, things of that nature, um, or just collectibles. Uh, the fact that they're digital will just be a feature, not, you know, the, 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 the way that they're talked about. I think the smart brands, whether it's, um, you know, what Dapper Labs did in the sports space around NBA Top Shot, they... they they obscure the crypto. The crypto is just the technology that underlies it. 
Um, you know, I hear about it, you know, I've heard other people say it. it's not like we talk about an HTML website, it's just a website. Um, or, you know, a, a JSON app, it's just an app. Uh, and so I think people will find ways to rebrand this for mass market appeal. It, it, it has to be rebranded for mass market appeal. I agree. So do you think if a Web3 media company is going to be successful, does it have to be successful using the tools of traditional media? Does it need to be at the box office with a $100 million opening weekend or a show on Netflix or Disney? Um, or can a Web3 media company use other direct distribution tools to get to mass appeal? Or is that just there's just no way in today's day and age to, to really have mass market appeal without being on these mass market channels. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like today, I think you have to play in the game. I think you can do a lot of like Web3 principles with the IP and how you think about building it and how people can be a part of that and how they can get rewarded for that in the future. But at the end of the day, yeah, like how do you reach all these people if you have a gated website and you don't have an audience at the gate even if you have a thousand people or ten thousand people like how do you break through that whereas like mr b says all the time he's not leaving youtube it's just like the dude has the i think he's now the number one largest in, like youtube creator on on, on youtube as of yeah he did that this week he crossed over to the most followed yeah right so he's now the most followed youtuber and he's like he has all of the influence in the world. He can spin up a new brand and it'll do a hundred million dollars in revenue like Mr. Beast Burger. Yet he still says like, I wouldn't leave YouTube because this is just where we have that. Okay. Brand. So let's say YouTube slash Google embraces NFT technology and allows Mr. Beast to take a portion of his content and put it behind a token gated fan club. Right. I mean, to me, that's how this thing could happen in a new way with existing tools. So Mr. Beast goes out and says, hey, a chunk of my content still going to be for everybody on YouTube for my hundred whatever million followers. But if you want to watch early, you want to watch one week before everybody gets to see it or you want to get to see the behind the scenes show, you got to own the Mr. Beast token or you got to own the Mr. Beast NFT or the fan. You got to effectively he creates a fan club a super fan group within this mass audience and says, and YouTube plays along, let's say, maybe they do it for a guy like him and they let them create some type of, you know, content within. I think that could work, you know, blending existing tools with the new tools. I think it could work. I'm not sure he's the guy that's going to be willing to experiment with it, but I think that could work. I, I mean, I think of it as, Right now, you're not going to get enough discoverability without using a platform like YouTube, but you could absolutely use a platform like YouTube as a top of funnel into a more gated experience where you get more intimate with your fans. I think that is realistic. I do think, though, that we have to, like, as a Web3, like, Web3-minded industry on, on that front, like, we have to think of slightly different, because in a way, you just described Patreon, too. Like, most, sure. most of the biggest patreon accounts like that they, they do the same thing except again it goes back to like you don't actually own that membership in, into patreon you just donate and i think that's that's where it gets a little cool but i definitely think there will be in the future likely a platform that out the gates built to have discoverability fans are used to it and uh, and then you can have a, a deeper experience but right now yeah you have to use youtube you have to use netflix and then you can build take your closest fans and do something more intimate with them because they own a token well, you know, look, and today with things like Patreon, you're you're sending them off your core platform because there's no way to gate that content. But if someone like YouTube or TikTok yeah. or Instagram or whatever created the ability to attach your wallet, prove that you owned it and still watch it where you already want to watch it, 
you know, the fans already want to watch Mr. Beast on YouTube or Dude Perfect or whomever. Um, and if they created that ability to integrate the wallet tech in there and gate the content in there, I think that I think that could be mass appeal and show new ways of doing this for a web, you know, an existing media company transition to web three or even something built initially, you know, with these type of web three tools in mind. But I do think it's going to take integration into something like that, or it's going to take a web three media company, you know, V friends putting out the V friends movie um, and bringing it to every AMC across the country and eventually bringing it to a streaming service uh, to get to mass appeal. I could totally see there being a world where a platform like, I mean, TikTok's already done some experiments with NFTs. So has, so has Instagram. Of course, you can now see if someone uploads an NFT. And I could see a world where you have like a membership token on, on a platform like YouTube. And because of that membership token, like you can, you can always sell it. Like there's probably a, a price attached to it and you could sell it if you, if you didn't want it anymore because you bought it. And I could see a world where they integrate that in because to your point right now, these platforms, the main thing they're thinking about is attention. Like, how do they just keep people on YouTube? And so people are leaving YouTube to go to Patreon. YouTube probably doesn't love that. They probably do not love that. And so how do they com- combat that? And I think the principles are just inherently better with Web3. I think the fans will want that ownership in the future versus just paying $10 a month for something that they don't get. Like, like my favorite example of this too is I- I've been saying this for a little over a year. And it's my favorite example where... For some reason, we've been conditioned to believe that it's normal to pay $7 for like a digital scan on a platform like Fortnite whenever for thousands of years, if you bought something and then you wanted to give it to your nephew whenever you were done with it, that was what you could do. But now there's this like over the last 10, 20, 30 years, there's this insane concept that whenever you buy something on a video game or a platform like that, it's just you can't do anything else with it. Like yeah. and, and I think that that's where the same will come with a, a membership like to Netflix. Or Look, I mean, I think it's inevitable that we're going to see interoperable or intergame uh, play of IP. It may not come from the existing game producers, the game, you know, the game developers, because they have so much money at stake with the current situation, the current way they make money. Uh, but, you know, in the future, you'll be able to go on to the Marvel site and buy the Iron Man or the Disney or the, you know, or the um, Spider-Man skin. And that skin will work in a whole bunch of games. You'll be able to play it in Fortnite. You'll be able to use it as a skin on your gun in Call of Duty and all these other. And there'll be some type of clearinghouse that effectively allows you to attach that to um, you know, to the game and the game developers are going to want Disney and Superman from DC and Batman from DC. And they're going to want Hello Kitty and whoever else they're going to want to bring in that IP and they're going to find some way for all the people to split the money, you know, the IP holder and all the games that, you know, tool around to make that experience good using Spider-Man or Superman or Hello Kitty or My Little Pony within their game. Um, that's coming. I don't know if the existing game developers will move first. I don't think they probably will. And I understand the challenges. Maybe it'll come because one of these reasonably well-funded NFT gaming companies will figure this out and be able to create a way where those game assets can be used. Maybe not in every game. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest IP holders are still going to want to have some control over how their IP is used and where it's used. Uh, yeah. But I think that kind of thing's it's inevitable. It's coming. It's coming in the next few years. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to Google something I, I saw, but or I heard, but there is oh, I think here it is right here. Four billion. There is 
2.5 billion dollars in one quarter going into web3 gaming versus 4 billion for the entire sector of 2021 right so it's like the amount of money has was accelerating absurdly this year last year but then i heard another stat that i don't, I don't know where it is but in 2021 i believe in 2022 the amount of money invested into web3 gaming was like more than the last like three years of traditional gaming like an absurd amount of money was put into web3 gaming versus traditional gaming and we haven't had a single one of those come to market yet because they take years to develop we haven't had a single true AAA web three game come to market live and it's like maybe 2023 we'll get some mid-core games we won't get triple a triple a is 2024 and beyond but like serious quality games look and you know maybe maybe that's the sneak way a web three media company develops there are dozens of examples of media properties that have spun out of video games everything from laura croft to angry birds you know from simple mobile games to complex console games have spurned off tv shows and movies and plush toys and action figures i mean it's just endless that could come so maybe we'll see it there riot games is one of my favorite companies like they, they built some incredible games like league of legends and they took that ip after years and years and years of like creating new characters with a backstory to turn and launch arcane the netflix series ended up being like number one netflix series when it launched and i mean now they're like they've got some of the biggest um virtual artists on the market from their game. I mean, like they're, they're really taking this game IP and they're expanding from there. I do think there's another world too, where a web three media company is going to launch a much more bootstrapped approach of validating IP and adoption and then moving into a game. Because I think games, once you have an audience, like you just said, like it's, you can do it. There's Spider-Man games, right? That are absolutely huge, but it did not start there. It started in a comic book. Sure, sure. Well, I think the key is it can start anywhere and, you know, using these tools to find your early adopters, find your early audience, find your super fans, and then expanding out from there. I mean, if it if it doesn't work, Shep, is it going to be because crappy content gets flooded in the market or there's just too many of these things? Some of these, you know, um, some of the projects that are giving up the IP rights like the Bored Apes and so on. Is it going to be because people just create a bunch of dreck and junk that no one cares about? Um, is that how this is that how this fails or goes wrong? I think those will fail in terms of media because of that reason. So, like, I, I do think those will fail because of that reason. But like, the broader I think the broader question here is like, if the whole thing fails, like Web three media just fails, like why would they fail? And I, and I think it comes to me like two two things. Well, one yeah. is, and I think I think one's really easy to solve, kind of. Um, is just the the whole the fact that it is a web three media and people are like bragging about that. Just like move away from that. Just call it media, right? Right now, us us in the industry, of course, we're calling it that. But to the consumer, so many so many things are like proud of being an NFT, and it's like don't do that if you're really trying to build a true media company. And so I think that's that's one important thing. The the bigger piece is really around the incentives. I think like, I don't think crypto crashes. I don't think, um, I don't think if, if we move away from calling it NFTs and crypto and web three, I don't think it should matter like what happens in crypto, but I do think not figuring out the incentives of why it's web three versus on Patreon versus a, a poll in discord, ver, you know, versus something that can be built on web two rails, like already very easily without that, meaningful reason for it to be web three, that ownership, that interoperability, whatever it is, like that that long-term upside. I think a lot of people focused on like the friends to your mission. But I think the incentives actually didn't 
line up in the long term and people ended up not caring. And I think that that is, I think that it would be why it didn't work in the long term because you could have just done it on Patreon and a lot of the best storytellers were using it. Right. And I think, I think if that happens. Yeah. Look, I mean, you know, it'd be, it'd be great if the regulatory environment in the United States allowed, uh, you know, a true royalty model where fans purchase the NFT and, and effectively would really have true ownership in the sense, or a share of the royalties or a share of the effectively equity in the project. I think we're a ways away from that. I think all of the recent crypto disruptions are going to make it even harder for that to happen. Um, and, you know, look, I don't think we've really seen any, crowdfunded breakout hits in traditional media. Um, you know, that's not how it's been done in the past. There's been small groups of, of, of people writing big checks to get things done as opposed to funding traditional media with, you know, $10 from hundreds of thousands of people. Um, that just hasn't been how movies or TV shows or any other kind of content, video games even have been made in the past. So, uh, I, you know, I don't think that's gonna, I don't think that's easily fixable. I think the biggest difference between you know a Patreon and and a, a Web three token ownership of some sort is that ability for the fan to see price appreciation and be able to sell it or just get bored of it and be able to sell it on to somebody else. You know that 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 the fact that it's yours and you own it, you don't need their permission to transfer it, sell it, get rid of it, give it to your cousin, whatever. That's the biggest benefit of this type of a media company relative to. The traditional way of doing things in my mind yeah no i i don't i don't disagree at all all right well we kind of covered everything that i wanted to cover shep any last uh parting words before we wrap here will we see a mainstream media property built on web3 next year 2023 is it possible that one of these things breaks out and crosses over from the little group of crypto twitter folks that you and i are part of to uh to the normies and everybody else out there, or is that just too too soon? I think it'll happen. I, and, and the reason is, is I don't know if you saw the, there's a lot of controversy around a virtual influencer called Ethan Mecca that was a ro yep. robot rapper. And um, looks like just a lot of things went, went, went wrong and, and, and how it kind of came to market, unfortunately. And, but the reality is, is for a week, it was in mainstream culture. It was talked about. It was getting millions and millions and millions of streams. They were doing NFT drops. They were a part of NFT drops. I mean, it was really tied into this world of web. Yeah, they screwed up the execution. <laughs> they did. Yeah, and I'm not condoning it, but what I'm saying is, is it was accepted by mainstream until people actually dug in. And so my point is, is it can be done. So whether yeah. that is a virtual artist or, you know, an animated series launched with, you know, from, uh, from, from here, right? from like web three principles, like I think it wouldn't surprise me with as much money as went into it over the last two years. It wouldn't surprise me if we had our first big, big breakout in 2023 um, in terms of media. All right. Well, I'm with you. I think there's a decent shot. We could see something break over and cross over next year. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be an exciting sector uh, for people building in this sector. If you're a startup and you're building in this sector and the web three space and entertainment, TV, movies, gaming, music, uh, hit me up. Hit me up here on LinkedIn. Connect with me. Let me know about it. Um, follow Shep Ogden as well on, uh, on LinkedIn here. Shep, how do, uh, how do people see your metaverse characters? Where do they find Zero and Lilith in the, uh, in the metaverse? Yeah, great question. So YouTube's probably the best. We're still playing on all of the main like social platforms with our, with our metaverse avatars. 
Um, it's zero from Nexus, little from Nexus, both on YouTube, um, across the internet. They're cl closing in on half a million or so followers. Uh, YouTube, they're just getting going. And so go, go check them out there. That's really where like a lot of our focus is moving into. So zero is actually awesome. on LinkedIn too. Zero, zero just started zero from Nexus on LinkedIn. So he's going to say zero applying for uh, jobs. He's looking for jobs on LinkedIn or he's just he's, creating content. Zero and I have been speaking in a bunch of places. And so he, he wanted to, uh, he wanted to let everyone know. All right. Well, maybe next time we'll have Zero join us on a LinkedIn live stream here. It's been a lot of fun, Shep. I really appreciate your time today. Hope everybody enjoyed this. And uh, please follow up with us directly here on LinkedIn if you want to chat more about this. Yep. Thank so, you very much. See you later.